0: Hello and welcome to the Edify podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Let's just imagine that you've just finished giving what you thought was one of your best efforts in preaching the gospel. Maybe you preached on the prodigal, Luke 15. Maybe you preached on the resurrection, uh, whatever it was. And and you thought, man, that was great. Uh, I I executed that the way that I should have. Uh, I got smiles and nods and amens, and uh, things just went really well. But as you're standing in the back, shaking the brethren out, uh, somebody runs up and says, you know, hey, preacher, have you you heard so-and-so's lesson on this? It's awesome and, and you know what I'll do when I get home I'll send you the link, let you listen to it, and the guy or the the girl never make a comment about your sermon. they never talk about your message or your impact uh they just go on to talk about somebody else's sermon and maybe maybe later on in the afternoon you find yourself uh deflated by the conversation uh, a little down about it, and it's not that you don't appreciate the the aforementioned great brother's sermon or effort or minister, because you honestly do, but you don't appreciate having your message compared to theirs, especially uh, if it's the case that you don't measure up. You know, what you are probably reeling in your head is maybe a sarcastic comment uh, to throw back to the brother or the sister who have come up and made that comment you know you, you might you might think well why don't you just get so and so to um why don't we just play so and so sermons here on Sunday morning and i can just sit down and listen with the rest of you or you know the next time you're in the hospital why don't you call so and so and see if they'll stop by for you know a, a preacher's visit <laughs> and um and even and maybe you maybe you fight those things and you maybe maybe you don't struggle with comparison but but some of us do and you feel uh, maybe disappointed with yourself. Uh, for those of you who do struggle with comparison, you know, you may be asking yourself, why does this bother me so much? Why am I so insecure? You know, why can I not rejoice in how God is using the other brother's ministry and preaching and, and how that's affecting and doing great work in the kingdom? And, you know, that's that's what comparison does. And you and I as preachers of the word, you and I as, um, as, as ministers and servants in the kingdom, you, you're going to have to battle with comparison. Um, and, and this is really a heart test you know, for you as a preacher, uh, maybe as a deacon or as an elder, you uh, or a Bible class teacher. People don't respond to you the way that others do. Maybe you're not as an approachable person. Uh, maybe you're introverted whatever it is and you begin to compare, you begin to compare yourself with other people uh, within your congregation and bitterness and rivalry and unwanted feelings come up, you know, and what you've got to do you you've got to fight it and you've got to battle it. There are basically um four different ways uh that we compare each other. Uh and I want to shift just to the preacher for just a moment because that's what I am and and this is uh this is um maybe maybe something other other preachers need to hear. Uh we all need to hear it there's no doubt but but maybe maybe for those of you who struggle with compare let's go through this lesson. The first way that we compare with one another is we compare you know abilities. Uh Romans chapter 12 Paul had to write to the church about comparing you know specific spiritual gifts and the abilities that they had. And the gifts were designed to strengthen the church there was no doubt and and God had um you know uniquely set up some brothers or sisters to have specific gifts for specific reasons Ephesians chapter four and verse eleven uh not everybody's the same. he doesn't uniform everybody the same way we abilities vary um they varied in the first century they vary today uh if you've ever um uh, if you've ever been in any kind of homiletics uh, or if you've ever taught homiletics, if you're listening to this and you're an instructor of a preaching school or, you know, a college, Christian college or whatever, uh, you can see how that there are some some boys who, some men who develop, um, you know, in insight and in effort and experience. They work hard um, and even though that there are some who work harder, they may not preach as equally well and it and it be, and it can become a letdown. And it's true that there are some people who have greater capabilities when it comes to uh effectively expositing, uh exegeting a text of scripture. Some people just have the knack um and others don't. And and we're all different in the kingdom. Uh but as a preacher, you recognize I know I do. I I recognize excellent in a sermon. I love listening to uh, gifted expositors, and and I love uh, the the impression that that leaves upon me. How someone can open, and literally the word means to unfold the meaning, the meaning of the word or the context or the verse uh, that we're looking at. And but if you're not careful, what what we can do is we can uh, admire an ability, and admire somebody's ability to preach well or to serve well or or for those of you who are deacons, you know, or or elders, you admire another um, mate's ability, but uh, you feel like you're comparing yourself with a Cy Young Award winner. And you know that no matter how much of hard work that you do, uh, you won't be able to duplicate that, or or at least that's how you feel. Uh, You know, for those of us who are preachers, we, we want to become effective preachers and sometimes when we compare ourselves uh, we're not very flattered and we're deflated and so that's that's one of the ways that that we can get caught up in comparison. The second way is opportunities. Um, you know like it was in the in the first century spiritual gifts, um, an opportunity may not be distributed to you equally as it is to the preacher on the other side of town or the next county over, or whatever. You remember remember when Jesus was talking about the parable of the laborers in, in Matthew chapter 20, and the whole the whole passage, you know, 1 through 16, where you've got some working a full day, some working a half day, and some an hour. Now, the context behind that passage is that Jesus was talking about grafting in the Gentiles, quote, late in the game, uh, and the Jews were upset about it. Now, some some people, you know, we we consider that this young preacher has been in uh, in the kingdom the least amount of time, and they have great quality, great ability, great uh, opportunities. They've been placed well, and and that that may bother you, it, it, but it may not, and but it, it can bother some of us uh, in the kingdom who do these things, and and you begin to compare an opportunity. And for those of you who are, who are maybe older or on the, the other side of life and uh, you see your, quote, career uh, going down in a, um, in a way that people desire to hear you or to hear uh, from you. But, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the finicky thing about the brotherhood, that, that there can be a young preacher who preaches a great sermon, and preaches it well, and it was dynamic and but there's some who are going to come up and say, "Well, we can't wait till you get older <laughs> and which means that you've got some maturing to do, and you do there's no doubt and then when you get older uh and you preach a great sermon, a very mature sermon, a very dynamic sermon, uh there's going to be some brethren to say, "Yeah, that was great, but you should have heard him when he was younger <laughs> and so uh, for those of you in this game, you know that there, there, there really is no happy medium. Uh, some can't wait for you to get older. Some wish you were younger. But, but that's not why we do what we do. Uh, but, but coming back to this opportunity thing, um, maybe you evaluate the success of your ministry on how many invitations you get to come speak. Um, I've been, I've been in preaching you know this is now um eight years um uh eight years and there have been some years where i've been uh asked to come preach you know five ten times and one year i was asked to come speak uh at 21 different occasions and locations now what happened you know what what took place if if anything, I pray that I got better in my preaching. Uh, but the but the year that was um, less seemed like came after the year that was more. And so, if I were to gauge my ministry based off of an opportunity, I could easily think, "Well, I'm I'm getting worse." But but that's that's one of the traps that the devil wants to get you and I into, where we compare our opportunity. The third way that we can get in trouble with comparison is we compare the impact that we have or quote don't have on our kingdom uh that's in our presence. Um Biblically speaking, we will not know the full effect of our preaching. Uh may, maybe when we get to heaven, but we won't now. We, we we want to see evidence of what we're doing, but in reality we're not going to see all that what all of what we do. And what you can get in trouble doing, and what I can get in trouble doing, is we compare the impact that other preachers, or elders, or deacons, um, or other teachers have. Uh, I mean, even with Bible class teachers, men and women alike. That that this maybe, as a sister, this sister knows how to reach children on their level, and the next sister next door in her classroom uh, just fails to make a connection, fails to. Um reach the kids where they are, and they feel like well, based off comparison i I can't really uh do what they do, and I just should really stop what i'm doing uh We hear as preachers or as elders how how God is working through uh certain individuals, and we if we're not careful, we'll struggle with comparison you know well why isn't he why isn't he blessing my work as an elder? Or my work as a preacher, and likewise, so we can get in trouble comparing the impact. But then the fourth way is comparing the perks, and maybe this is a, you know, somewhat awkward to mention because money is a weird thing. Um, it's not with me. M- money is money is nothing. Is nothing. It's God's money, whether it's in my pocket or whether it's in the plate. M- money's just money. But for some people, it's 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 a bother. We need to remember preachers, especially for those of you who are who are employed in preaching the gospel. You are a servant and not a diva, <laughs> okay uh we did not go to preaching school. you did not go to any kind of seminary or uh, Christian college for fame or money, not to bleed over into last episode but um but but that can happen. you know if you're not careful, you'll compare the model of the car, the size of the home. Um, uh, their you know unlimited expense account, or what this church pays so and so for their retirement, or they buy their insurance, or whatever, and, and and you know that those kind of comparisons are fleshly in nature, but if you're not careful, you will still compare those things, and so that's the problem. What's the solution? Is comparison, um, is comparison, is that something that I should totally get away with get get away from altogether? Here's the conundrum with comparison. A preacher, an elder, a teacher, a deacon, um, we have to handle comparison in a godly way. Scripture gives two appropriate, but two very um, contrasting responses. The first one is to kill it quickly, but the second is to use it wisely. Um, let's talk about killing it quickly for just a moment. You, you're you not going to find comparison mentioned in the Galatians 5, 19 through 21 works of the flesh list. Uh, but you're going to find very, very close relatives that do make the list. Jealousy, rival, envy. and And comparison also shares the same DNA as selfish ambition, which we talked about two episodes ago. And if we're not careful... Uh, for those of you who have a a, a high octane competitive spirit, we we've got to be careful with that. Uh, in mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, "Pride is essentially competitive. Is competitive by its very nature, while the other vices are competitive only, so to speak, by accident. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something only out of having more of it than the next man." We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. Once the element of competition has gone, pride has gone. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, the comparison that grows from the root of pride is very sinful. It is deadly. And scripture is very clear that you and I are to put that to death. Romans eight and verse thirteen, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, that's the jealous, the rival, the envy, uh, the pride of life, it says that you will live. Put it to death and you will live. Now, Paul's language, it sounds, you know, very gritty, very, you know, gristly, stark, rough. But but as a preacher, as a teacher, as an elder, as a deacon, for those who serve in the kingdom, sin cannot find sanctuary in my soul. It is a fugitive and it has no place here. I cannot let it live within me. Do we mess up? Yes. Do we give in sometimes? Yes. Are we perfect? No. Sanctification is an ongoing process. That's an ugly thing sometimes, but it cannot harborage itself and live and take up residence in my life. Uh, John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. So when you and I notice comparison pushing its way into our thinking, trying to stir up, you know, stir up competitive juices or selfish ambition, you've got to very quickly open your Bible, hit your knees, and allow the Spirit of God through the Word to kill your sin. You need to pray. Um, You're not going to be kept from temptation but what you do and how you respond to temptation that's on you and you've got to pray Lord I hate this struggle for those of you who do struggle with this I hate this struggle with with competitive comparisons towards other people in particular other servants that are actually his and what you've got to do is you've got to confess that you need you need to let that cross your palate come out of your mouth I hate this I hate this fact because it's it's unbalanced, it's sinful, it goes against the grain of God. And so what you're asking God to do is give you the strength, give you the power to put this to death. And as his child, he will hear and answer that prayer. But when it comes to um, comparison, as we said, kill it quickly. But the second one is to use it wisely we might conclude uh that it's that it may be something that's you know unredeemable and that it's always and only sinful but scripture actually does use comparison in the other way and really comparison does have a legitimate role in the life of a minister if we do use it wisely when you read through the new testament you're going to see paul and he uses comparison oftentimes to assess himself or other situations. And and he has benchmarked his work against other ministers. He says, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. This sounds a whole lot like First Peter 4, 10 and 11. If anybody ministers, let him minister with the strength which God supplies, so that God in all things would receive the glory. So there is a sense in which, Hard work and ethic and having a discerning mind is needed. But the glory does not stay with you or is not given to you. It goes to God. And that references First 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, by the way. Now, Paul gauged his level of effort by, in part, comparing himself to others in the ministry. And that's an okay thing to do. How am I doing? What, what is the barometer? Um, comparison can sometimes aid us in our own effort at uh, self-assessment. Now, while the primary standard, we would say, for life and ministry has to be God's Word, we can benefit at looking at other ministers, other elders, other deacons, what other folks are doing in light of being committed servants of Jesus not for self gain but for godly gain Uh, this can be a great challenge uh, because it it can be a deadly thing because you can be tempted to to take this in in another direction in a way that God would not have you to but you think about you know all the greats who have come along in the brotherhood what did they do what made them great why does the church love them like they do and sometimes comparing commitment, um, devotion, uh, looking at others' work, it can spur you to pursue further growth if you handle it rightly. When it is done wisely, when we compare as we should, it not only helps us, you know, evaluate ourselves; it it, it also helps us in assessing others. Paul compared Timothy. Uh, to other ministers, and he ranked Timothy at the top of his list. To the Philippian church, he wrote chapter 2 and verse 20, for I have no one like him, speaking of Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul made a comparison, and he put this comparison in in, in quill and ink. I mean, that's, that's how serious it was that Paul wanted to express this. When it comes to comparison, this fellow's at the top of the list. This is an essential part of making wise leadership role decisions. Sometimes we think, okay, they're married, their kids are here as Christians, let's throw them in the office of an elder. That is foolish. Garland Elkins told me one time, Brother Sutton, he said it is easier to appoint elders than it is to unappoint, meaning that if we rashly throw somebody in the role of a, of an elder, that that can hurt us. That can hurt us. We've got to assess and discern and compare and make judgments much needed judgments because we're talking about the house of God. So comparison can be a great thing, but there's another way that comparison can be useful for you and I. Um, again, Paul, Second uh, Corinthians four seventeen through eighteen, um, he compared his sufferings while serving Christ. Um, And looking at the glories that awaited him, he said, For for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to not the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul put earthly hardships next to eternal glories. There was no comparison. We do have to count the cost when it comes to joining uh, the faith and becoming a part of the bride of Christ, uh, taking taking up this journey along with the Lord and and walking in these ways. And there is some comparison that needs to be done. Some people jump wholeheartedly into the Christian faith and never really compare. Okay, what's the plus and minuses here? What am I losing? What am I gaining? What's what's the cost? What's the what's the reality of this? Comparison can likely be likened um to cholesterol <laughs> um it, it can function in the same way you know we can't live life um without cholesterol that's in our bloodstream and that's that's why our bodies naturally produce cholesterol but it's the wrong kind of cholesterol that elevates our risk of heart disease now, like cholesterol, comparison is necessary, but it's deadly. When it is done in the wrong, it raises our risk of spiritual heart disease. So what you've got to do with your comparison, because you have it, you do it, you make judgment, you, you let God, you let his scripture control your comparison. How, how can comparison help me assess myself and assign uh, responsibilities to others. One of the tests of the deacon is that he must be proven. well there's a whole lot of comparison that goes on in there because from the pool of deacons you're going to draw elders, but not every deacon is going to make a good elder. So there has to be some comparisons that are, that have to be made. There has to be a look at and a glance. so as a preacher, I look for compliments. And I look for comments, not for self-glory. It's almost like a barometer. If nobody says anything, if nobody responds to my sermons, sometimes it's not because I've done a poor job. It could be. It very well could be. But, but sometimes it's just the case that nobody had anything to say that day. Maybe it was a, a sobering sermon and, and nothing, was, nothing really needed to be said. Maybe it was sad. Maybe it's a situation of grief or whatever. But but gauging your compliments, when the compliments begin to fade, generally speaking, uh, you may need to assess yourself. What's going on? Are they just getting tired of hearing me? Has my sermons uh, dropped off? Have they have they drifted in some kind of way? You've got to have an accountability partner when it comes to stuff like that. You've got to have somebody in the crowd to give you an honest assessment of where you are uh, with your preaching. So while it's irritating and insensitive for the guy or the girl to come rushing up to you after the Sunday sermon and and really just have a a heart-to-heart about somebody else's sermon, it could be doing you a favor. Um, Unknowingly, what it forces you and I to do is to face ourselves, uh, to see that there's still work to be done in my heart, uh, as as and what we've got to do is we've got to embrace the upside that God is refining my character as a minister, as a servant, as an elder, as a deacon. We we've got to embrace that fact. It's painful sometimes, but the painful comment that triggered it pales by comparison. I want to grow as a preacher, minister of the gospel. You may want to grow as as a preacher or as a deacon, elder, or Bible class teacher, wherever you find yourself. Sometimes comparison is much needed, much needed, not for selfish gain, but for godly gain.